Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hello, Archons, and welcome to Help from Future Self, conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I'm one of your No, o- you're not. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney, and I'm joined today by Chris again. Yeah, but I wanted to be more. <laughs> You're trying so hard. It's great. It's great. But today, we're going to be talking about our Winds of Exchange and Unchained impressions from Keyforge celebrations that we just got back from. Yeah, but I have a question for you. What is it? How's it going? Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. (laughs) This weekend was absolutely amazing. You drove most of the way. You should be tired, too. I tried to get a nap, but then you were driving, and that woke me up for the rest of the trip. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this whole weekend has been absolutely incredible, and I was so excited to have so many people there to to meet, to hang out with, and to play Winds of Exchange with, but the Unchained also was just most of my weekend outside of the tournament. Well, it's definitely most of my weekend. Your tournament time took up a lot of what you were doing, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. So I think that we should start with Winds of Exchange and what our our first impressions were when we opened these new decks and and what everybody else was thinking when they were sitting around us and talking about what they were getting and opening these decks for the first time was just so exciting. And I think generally people said, "Ah, Winds of Exchange, it's going to be terrible. Doesn't beat mass mutations. My prediction is everyone's wrong. We're right. So um, how was your deck for wait, you? Didn't do very well in the sealed, though, right? You, you lost. <laughs> oh no, no, I totally, I, I totally um, uh, whiffed in the the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did. You didn't win, <laughs> but you did come in second, so that's pretty decent. I know, right? <laughs> so it was crazy sitting next to everyone opening their decks, and and some people actually opened some of their decks before the sealed event started because in our goodie bag we got some decks as well, and so people were opening these up and they were judging the whole deck based on the token they got. And I have to admit, I was in the same boat. When I sat down to open my deck for the sealed event and I saw the token that I got, I was actually disappointed because in knowing what had been revealed and everything that people were saying about which tokens and the rankings people were doing, I honestly thought that the token that I got was the absolute worst. And it was the warrior, which is a Brobnar token at four power. And it says warrior cannot reap unless there are no enemy creatures in play. And so how in the world does that help your win condition of get Amber, make keys, win the game? And I I definitely had the wrong impression after playing all weekend. Yeah, I was. So you played in the Archon sealed, which basically said, here's one deck, open it. Good luck. Um, (laughs) And so we're not actually... Before we go too far into Winds of Exchange, I do want to say we're not going to talk about the format of the tournament, the double elimination, um, any of those types of things. All of those things are going to be addressed by uh, GG in a future post, and many of those things will change, likely. And you've also probably heard a lot about that already from a lot of other content creators, and there's a lot to say about those things, but if those things change and when they're iterated on and and improved upon by Ghost Galaxy, most of what happened this weekend will probably not happen again. Yeah. So one of the things that I believe is going to happen is we did one deck sealed. Um, it'll likely end up being something beat that the tournament organizer can choose one, two, or three decks sealed. Um, and that might even, and these are speculations that might even apply to the Alliance form, which I did, which was two decks. And then you could form 
uh, a single deck out of those two decks. And the reason I did Alliance is because I wanted to have two decks. And you did Archon because... I wanted to not have to put my decks together. <laughs> yep. But they were really, they were nice enough because if I signed up for the second Amber event, because I only had one deck, I was allowed to get another deck. So that made it so that I could walk away from the event with the same number of decks as Winds of Exchange decks as people who ended up entering the event that was given two decks. So I think... And the reason that matters is because we were all given two Winds of Exchange decks for being there. And then you could get two more for being participating in the sealed events. Right. And so I didn't feel like I was missing out. But hilariously enough, I only opened one Winds of Exchange deck all weekend. I only opened two. (laughs) We never had the opportunity to play more winds of exchange because of the way that unchained was all weekend so and we'll get to that too but all right so your token my token the warrior i was i was absolutely disappointed when i saw it but then with the the rest of the deck i didn't see it right away and that was actually made clear because i i did lose the first game that i played and i entered the losers bracket and i was playing the rest of my games in the losers bracket but once i got a feel for my deck and was able to synergize with my token I just it I, I took off and I realized that like my way to play this deck was not to try and ignore the token like I so hard wanted it to be, but to play into the token. Yeah, and well your deck only has eleven printed creatures. Right. And so it has so many other ways to make the deck succeed. And then basically, most of the cards do good things on play. And then if a card creates a token, I then have a creature on the other side. And so it actually just has like a a free bank of creatures when any card becomes a token. And on the the card side, especially like if a card creates a token, it's not the equivalent to that card being a creature because that card usually does other things that furthers my win condition. And so I'm getting a a creature and a bonus for every card that creates a token out of another card of my deck. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to remember with Winds of Exchange and trying to evaluate how many creatures versus how many actions and stuff. Because another thing too, is if you're creating tokens and you tokenize a key card, that can feel bad as well. But at the same time, it could have just been at the bottom of your deck, right? So there's a lot of reasons why it's like, okay, I know what card is face down on the table. Uh, I usually found that as an advantage, though, because I'm like, oh, I know what cards I don't need to draw past because I don't care about them, or what card I no longer have, or, oh, I need to get this token creature killed so I can get this into my discard pile so I can potentially cycle it again. Um, all of those things are very interesting choices you get to make. I think one of my favorite games all weekend, I actually ended up calling Brobnar every single turn because the way that luck worked out, I was tokenizing the other houses. And so unlike in games where your your hands are starting to get clogged, and unless you have a way to discard or you punctuated equilibrium to get rid of all of the cards in your hand, you're, you're able to continue to call the same house over and over if you can manipulate or make enough tokens that your cards then are more likely to cycle through. Yeah. And in general, I think the game had it has the potential to have very wide boards because every card can be a token creature. Uh, but it never really it, it rarely feels like that. It rarely feels like, oh, all my cards are tokens because those boards are interacting so often. They're always going at each other. And the amber control in this set isn't what we're we've it's not what we've come to think of as amber control. There is some steel, there is some lose. 
But there's a lot of capture. There is so much capture. And that's also why having a huge board gives you more options to capture, but it also gives you more options to fight the opponent's creatures. And so fighting was a lot more prevalent in my game. That's another thing that I had to change my mindset. Because obviously, like if I have a huge board, reap to win is is where you, you should think about how much amber you need, and if you can reap to get that much amber before you think about fighting, or uh, I guess a lot of things go into that calculation. But with a token that specifically says it cannot reap unless there are no enemy creatures in play, then I had to find a way to make amber while fighting. Because if I was just going to fight to clear their board, I then couldn't reap because I use those creatures to fight. So it's a change of mindset. But once you get there, it's it's a lot of fun to find that. Well, also with all the capture, fighting gets you amber. That's true. Right? Because up until, I mean, there's always been capture and stuff, but it does, hasn't hasn't felt as much like fighting gets you amber. But I was in a game where I had uh, probably six or seven creatures on the board. All of them had at least mm-hmm. one amber. Some of them had four or five of my opponent's amber. So that's how they got amber was to fight into my board. And then I just played down more cards to start capturing things back again. It became a very interesting back and forth on the board but it doesn't slow the game down because typically something like a lose, um, lose half your amber or, re- you know, anytime you're removing amber from the game, it slows it down. This doesn't remove it. It just temporarily takes it away from you. There is a handful of Robnar cards that do make you lose. And I did have a couple of those in my deck, but they were very, very strategic. And it was nice to have those because as my Amber control, I didn't feel bad doing a lot of capture on my side either because Brobnar also has some capture abilities. And when I, I played against a, a Saurian deck, actually in the, the top two game that I played, the, the Saurians still have a handful of Exalt. And so he basically had to decide knowing that my whole goal was to clear his board, like, should he even exalt? I don't think my opponent got a single use out of his double Faust deck, because if he exalted enough to make Faust do anything, he just was giving me Amber. Yeah, and again, I think it's a really interesting way to do Amber Control. The games I played felt, um, I I don't don't want to use the word swingy, but I'm going to use it, because it has a negative connotation to it. But I think back and forth is a better, it was a, it was a very fun tug of war, right? I'm up, I'm up. Yes, I'm going to do this. Oh, now you've just captured a bunch of stuff and now I'm down, but oh, now I can do this. And, you know, Maelstrom, put everything on top of your deck. I get out my amber back. It's like, okay, but yeah, but now I'm going to put five Saurian creatures down and I'm going to capture this way. It was... It's just so much fun to see that back and forth interaction, have those super interesting choices. So what are you most interested in exploring? Now that you've seen what you've seen, you, you still haven't gotten to play with a ton of Winds of Exchange decks. So what are you looking forward to? Well, first of all, everyone knows by now that you and I are playtesters on the set. So we have played more than most, <laughs> not at just this one here. Um, but it is different when the set is actually out and in the hands and you can start talking about it with people that have not seen um, the cards before, where... It's it is fun just to open quote unquote real decks. Absolutely. Up until now, we haven't been playing with real decks. Now we have real decks. And I want to open up decks and just see cool things and see how this stuff plays out of the pack. And I will tell you, I haven't opened anything that's like major, major um broken, but I've seen some really interesting decks. Uh Hellafest, for example, which is a Brobnar card that says Search your deck for four Brack, four different Bracken creatures. Bracken are the band members. And you take a chain for each one you find, but then you put them in your hand and you play them out. And then you have the band in play 
And holy cow, if people thought that Brobnar was going to be not so good, Brobnar is the number one house in this set. Absolutely, 100%. It has board control. It has amber control. It has win conditions out to Wazoo. It is basically my favorite house, and I never thought I would say that. Yeah, and it, it is just fun to play. Absolutely. Not necessarily as fun to play against. <laughs> but it's That's fun. another thing because Brobnar does have so many uh so many uh tools to it. Some of the tools in the other houses make for good support houses in ways that they didn't before. I I honestly felt like Unfathomable got a huge boost in support cards. It's it's even more dislike than it was before. It's able to do a lot of manipulation while still having a little bit of amber control and board control and and everything that I needed, at least in my deck, to be able to support the Brobnar house. Yeah. And so we were talking about ranking the houses on the way home. And so I asked, like, what are your way you rank it? We went back and forth a little bit. But if you look at the side of any Winds of Exchange box, you're going to see the houses listed from top to bottom. It's Brobnar, Equidon, Mars, Sanctum, Sorium, Star Alliance, and Unfathomable. In alphabetical order. And I believe that that's pretty darn close to the actual <laughs> ranking of the house. Now, Unfathomable could probably get bumped up one or two spots. Yeah. Um, but that's that's pretty close to it. But that said, even the worst houses are still very good. They just, you know, when you can kind of compare, you have to have, something has to fall on the bottom. Um, but like a Saurian Sanctum deck, wow. Like you have so much capture, such meaty creatures. That's what I lost to in top in top table. Yep. Star Alliance isn't as aggressive as it's been in the past, but it has it is become the support that, you know, it the enhancements that you get on the Star Alliance common is two draws and a capture. You could get three or four of those in a Star Alliance deck, and you have six to eight draw pips. Can we talk about that for a second? Like the enhancements, like when we've been so set so far, have very much had a main mechanic and a really cool thing that they've brought to the table. And then those have kind of like gone by the wayside unless they're in reprints. So like Dark Tidings did have a handful of reprints from Mass Mutations that really did have, like it continued the enhancement mechanic, but nothing was new or exciting about it. But in Winds of Exchange, there are as many, if not like I felt like there was even more enhancements than there were in mass mutation like i was i have so many strategic enhancements on my cards that i felt very very mass mutation like in being able to strategize my enhancements yeah and i just think like they've leaned into them there's not a a ton of enhancement cards but there's a couple per but again it's that common card that's giving three and gives each house a flavor at the same time and i think that's just a really cool way of of handling that okay so elephant in the room we were playtesters. Mm-hmm. We were competing in one of the first sealed events. Absolutely. Granted, this was there was nothing on the line. This wasn't a vault tour. It's not a qualifier or anything. It was a preview event. Did being a playtester help you in your tournament? Not going to lie. I, I do think it may have helped a little bit. I, I was more familiar with the concept of tokens. I feel like having played actual games where I have to like put a token on the board and understand that it's the, like the a card that I'm not going to be able to use. And the actual concept of tokens was I, I had actual gameplay with it. But I mean, that being said, I, I did lose literally the first game that I played in the sealed event. I was in the loser's bracket the whole time. So I think that it was it was something where I may have been able to absorb it 
quicker, but I, I still was able to, you know, get beaten by people. Yeah. Well, and so for me, I I knew the cards. It didn't mean I was a better player of those cards. <laughs> I just knew the cards. So what we did at the beginning of um, the events is you could show your Archon card to the other person. And I said, I'm not going to look at your Archon card. I'm just going to give you my entire deck. Look through all the cards. Because if I look at the names and I have information that they don't have. So here, just take a look at my deck. And ultimately, I approached this whole tournament as a way of just playing the game with new people and introducing them to it. Um, I would certainly wanted to win and I tried to win, but I was beat by better play. But I don't know. It's, it's a tricky thing, right? When you have to say, well, do you want to help build this game that you love? But you're never allowed to play it if you do that, right. which is why playtesters aren't you know, forbidden from doing this. Or do you want to just not have anything to do with it? And then so the community isn't upset with you when you do well in a tournament, even though you're a playtester. There were a lot of playtesters at this event. Most of them did not do well. So, yes, there is a certain edge to having played the game before anyone else. Um, but it's not as big as you would think. It still really comes down to skill and, you know, just playing the deck you have. I think that one thing that by the end of the tournament people got really used to is you do get to look at your opponent's deck list and sealed. And so having a completely overlapping house with my opponent, he was already incredibly familiar with almost all of the cards in my Brobnar house. And by that time, I mean, he, he was doing so well that I'm pretty sure he was familiar with most of the cards in my deck, especially any reprints. And so being able to see your opponent's deck list in sealed did prepare you for a sealed game. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to address that because I know that there's been some rumblings on some discords here and there. So, all right, let's talk about something off the hook. Unchained. This was a new... Almost a new set. It kind it, of felt like a it new set. It was a completely new set. And other than the fact that we knew all the cards, which we didn't even know all the cards because it included Equidon. Well, well, it included all of the Winds of Exchange cards. Oh, yeah. So it included new <laughs> cards from all of the houses. Yeah. So, yeah. So Unchained. If you are unfamiliar with what Unchained is, it is a type of deck that is made. And it has this like black and white with like one little splash of color image on it. Uh, that turns off many of the rules for deck construction. Specifically, and at a high level, rarities are basically flattened, so you have the same chance of getting a rare, uncommon, and common. It's also cards from all of the sets. Yep. Mavericks are... Well, not Mavericks. Legacies are not even in them because it's like basically... Every yes, card. Everything's valid. <laughs> and Mavericks are turned up to 11. Like, my first deck I opened up, I think I had six Mavericks in it. I also, I opened a deck that had two uh, anomalies in it. So cards oh, right. pulled backwards. Yep, anomalies are also increased. So you get these really crazy card combinations. And you would think that this is just going to be broken. Uh, or but, complete trash. <laughs> yeah, so it's either bonkers broken or complete trash. And... Oddly is kind of someplace in the middle. Right. I agree. Like every single game I played was playable. And even though people were going around and like winning everything, it was still like luck of the draw. Like I, I ended up, Z ended up winning the most games with his Unchained deck all weekend. And I w ended up being, I think, his only loss because I just, I completely high rolled the craziness of my Unchained deck and, and he wasn't able to beat me. Z from... Archon's, uh, corner, Archon's Corner, yeah. Yeah, so I think he ended up with over 25 wins. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. Now, what that's saying is he played 25 games of Keyforge with his Unchained deck. 
in in a weekend that he also won the Archon tournament. Yeah, in a weekend where everything was about this new set. Like it was a pre-release for Winds of Exchange. So many people ended up playing Unchained most of the weekend. Right, and I will say there wasn't a lot of side Winds of Exchange going on. But again, the Unchained deck felt like... The, all the new cards were still possible to be in there. Um, but I played a ton of this. And the reason why people wanted to play it so much is you. there were two ways you could be um, rewarded for play. One, you could be the person that got the most wins. And that's what Z was going for. Or you could lose twice. If you lose twice, you can go up and get a ticket to go ahead and buy another Unchained deck. Otherwise, you just get one to start with. And you could do that three times. And that way, if your Unchained deck wasn't crazy or insane or you weren't winning with it or you just wanted more decks, you would, in fact, play twice, lose, get another deck, and then you'd have a whole new one to play with. And so people just trying to kept trying to play to get to two losses because like it was funny how many people ended up winning so many times against random people because they were trying to get the losses. Yeah. But nobody was trying to lose. Like I, It was very well... Uh, I think everyone was like taking it earnestly. Yeah, to like earn the losses. Yeah, you I guess. Want, yeah. So, and the other rule was you weren't allowed to play the same person more than once, not the same deck, the same person, and that caused for like there was a huge mixer. We played with all kinds of people that we wouldn't normally have played with, and you just see someone your badge was flipped over saying, "Hey, yeah, um, challenge me to unchain," and immediately a game would start. It was such an amazing icebreaker. Like the fact that you could just randomly walk up to someone and have a reason to talk to them made it so that it just was fantastic getting to know random people at KFC. Yeah. Like I said, the Unchained decks, you play them and I didn't, I don't know. For me, I did not think of that as a competitive experience. It was truly just casual fun Keyforge because these decks, they're not tournament legal in any organized tournament. I'm sure that the fans will do some stuff with it. Um, it was forced casual. It's like there's no reason to use these decks outside of casual. And it was so great to be able to like find the great combos in each deck. Like I think that some people were playing just to pull things off or to be able to make something work because stuff that wouldn't otherwise be together. These were these are impossible decks. Like FFG's old concept of putting things together that wouldn't otherwise. Like mine had Dis and Unfathomable in the same house, in the it's same it's, deck. It was crazy. Well, in the same house too because we're Mavericks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and but they were still playable decks. For the most part, the card rules that apply still apply. You can't have a sacrificial altar without having a human in your deck. Could just be one human, but you'd still have that human in there, right? So that type of thing was still checked to make sure the decks were playable. There were a few bugs. Um, you opened up a deck with missing an Archon card. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and um, there were no tides in any of these. So no, there were a lot of tokens, but there were some decks without tokens because it didn't have any um, uh, Winds of Exchange cards in them. Yeah, so if you had a token, any token creation card anywhere in your deck, you would have a token creature. But if you didn't, so if you were, what was it, Logos? Un untamed. Untamed and Dis? Yeah. If you had those three houses, you would not have any option to get a token. So that particular Unchained deck would just have a normal back. Uh, so that was kind of fun to see, too. I saw two or three of those in the wild. Yeah, but only two or three of those. Yep. So anyway, the Unchained event was wildly successful. Um, I know you got to play with a couple people. Yeah. So my first 
game with the Unchained deck that we got in our goodie bag was against uh, Devin, Flaming Hobo from ABR, because we planned on playing our ABR game at KFC. And the Devin, Flaming Hobo, and everybody who runs ABR was fantastic because we decided that we would let everyone play their sealed game this week at KFC if their opponent was there. And so we did blind sealed. So we just opened our deck and played it. We didn't even look at the Archon card. We didn't look at our decks. We just started playing. And it was the that was one of the most fun games that I, I played all weekend because I, I simply had no idea what I was getting into when I was playing that game. Yeah, and I played um, – actually, I spent a lot of time with Doug, um, who I met uh, years ago uh, at a Keyforge event, and we just ended up hanging out. We played – I played my Unchained against his Wounds of Exchange as my Ooh. first game. Uh, so it didn't count, oh. um, but I barely won. Like wow. I, I had a pretty good Unchained deck, but his Wounds of Exchange deck was really, really good. So, um, yeah, that was a ton of fun. Thanks, Doug, for the game. <laughs> I also, oh my gosh, I was so excited to meet Zach from Call of Discovery, Zach Armstrong. And we played an Unchained game together. And that was super memorable just because it was it was Zach. Like, I, I had a reason to, like, hang out and talk with and play with Zach Armstrong. Like, it was just the coolest thing ever. And I will remember that game forever because it was running right up to the opening ceremonies. And we were like, but we, we need to finish. We need to finish the game. And so we finished before we wandered on in. Yeah, I I really liked it. Now, I do think you could do something like this outside of Unchained. I would love to see uh, like a more casual, uh, you know, just play your whatever decks, play with each other, come up and report your results. You have to play with someone different each time. And it's just counting how many times you're playing with different people. I loved going around and, you know, just sitting down. Now, I know you didn't, you want a little bit more structure in your secondary play. Um, I was also like before the weekend started, I actually promised a handful of people that I would get an Unchained game in with them, but I didn't have the time because I I was playing so much of the uh, the sealed tournament the whole weekend, but also the fact that the second Amber events um, were a little less structured meant that I felt like I, I when I had the time after my Archon games to to play, I picked Unchained because I didn't have like the sign up and play a second Amber event. I had a more along the lines of like, who can I like find an excuse to walk up to and hang out with while we play a game of Unchained while I try and get more Unchained decks or try and get more wins to my name with my Unchained decks. Yeah. And it just, it was less of a commitment, right? You could sit, you know, oftentimes the games... Most Keyforce games only take 15, 20 minutes, you know, short barring something else. Like competitive play, it takes a little bit longer because these decks are meant to be that way. But And sometimes Alliance might take even less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but like I said, I don't, we're not going to talk about um, the second Amber all that much because, again, these things will tweak. We won't talk about Alliance all that much because, I mean, again, those things will be tweaked. We didn't even play in the second Yeah, Amber. I have. Yep. And I have no idea what happened on the Alliance side. Um, but... You know, there will be podcasts who cover that, I'm sure. Absolutely. And the last the last Unchained I want to shout out is I played with DevDev, who is a fantastic, wonderful, incredible human. Hi, Devin. Thank you so much for, for playing with me and, and listening. And I cannot wait to try your thir- their three-player Keyforge variant. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Remember, you owe me those rules and the link to the deck boxes. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Should we quickly summarize the keynote? Yes. Actually, I think that has so much potential for awesomeness, but also like some things that are specifically 
interesting for us. Yeah. Well, the keynote started out with basically a history of Keyforge. Um, we won't go into it here. I'm certain that there's a, there are actual keynotes online someplace. Um, but then it announced uh, the organized play structure for the next 2023 season. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot going on. I will say, like, the fact that they announced anything at all means that there was a really exciting way to, like, there's something to look forward to. There's something that we can, like, know we're going to see all of these people again often in 2023. Yeah. So the... Summarize it very quickly, and there will be a lot of more details released. This is just what we found out there. For the casual events, there will be Keybringer events and Vault Keeper events. Shout out to Ghostbusters there. Um, <laughs> those will be the key bringers are the players. The player can order these kits and they can do them at home or at stores or wherever. And vault keepers are stores, retail that they can order the kits from there. What's in the kits, how they work, what they do, we have no idea. That we just know their names. And then there's going to be store champions, regional championships, national championships, and world championships um, throughout the, the year. And then there will be 10 vault tours throughout the year. Um, now, there are dates associated with each of these. So the store champions are in February, March. D- by dates, you mean like periods of time, like that they're, months. They're running, yeah. yeah. So your store championships are going to run February, March, which is... Coincidentally, shortly after Winds of Exchange is planning <laughs> to be released. Um, the national championships are going to be April, May. Um, the Vault Tours are going to be June, July. Mm-hmm. And there'll be 10 of those around the world, four of them in the U.S. Which I will say, I, we are going to try and get to as many as possible because that's just how we used to do it. Like Chris and I went to a lot of different Vault Tours for the fun of going to them. And I, I, I want to continue trying to do that. But with them stuffed in such a short period of time, we might have to make different arrangements. We also have kids now. Um, (laughs) And then the national championships will be August, September, and then Worlds in November. So that's their current schedule. They gave very little details beyond that. I do expect more details, but they did mention the fact that these are also have cash prizes. So those cash prizes might change the nature of what Vault Tours used to be. I know that everyone um, was looking forward to Worlds, or at least enough people were looking forward to... um, Vault Warrior. Vault Warrior, yeah. Vault Warrior, where they, uh, FFG announced cash prizes, but that never materialized. So we don't actually know what that's going to look like. Yeah. So the cash prizes for Worlds is a $50,000 pool. And the each of the Vault Tours, and there's 10 of them, has a $10,000 pool associated with it. Winning any of these um, tournaments will advance you into the next tournament. Uh, and then winning a Vault Tour will advance you into the Worlds. So again, we don't have all the details. This is just the general. But it's still GG saying, here's $150,000 we're putting on the line for 2023. And that's enough for me to say that I'm excited for the future of Keyforge. I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere. <laughs> so we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. And I have one for us today. Honestly, having had the experience of playing Winds of Exchange and knowing what I felt beforehand, all I want to say is play it before you judge it. Because opening my Winds of Exchange deck, looking at the Warrior token, and having gone into it thinking this is the worst token, like I am very disappointed, I haven't even played a single game with this deck, and then I I made it all the way to the final table. Like, it wasn't the token that it was the interaction of the whole deck. It was the way that Winds of Exchange feels. It was all of the new cards that I was exploring that worked really well together. Even, even the reprints complemented my deck extraordinarily well. I think that playing the Winds of Exchange set will give you the feel for it that your your prejudgments just can't can't even 
Can't even decide. Yeah. I don't think if you like Sass, Sass can have a hard time with this one because when you play this these decks, they shine so much more than looking at the individual cards. Absolutely. And that can be with or without the token. Like some decks don't make a lot of tokens and they do great because their cards are naturally fantastic. And some need slash support the token so much that with the right token, it does extraordinarily well. So it's just the way that you play it will change how well the deck plays. Yep. Alrighty, and that is it for us today. You can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. We're also on Discord. Link is in the show notes. I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. And Chris, where can people find more of you? Uh, Game Master Chris on Discord. Mm, eventually, maybe if Winds of Change gets to TCO, I might join up again. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me today, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Help from Future Self. Until then, stay forging. Stay forging.